As promised, I am thrilled to announce that our tickets for Australian True Crime Live are now available. Join me in Sydney, Brisbane and or Melbourne this July. You can come to all three if you want. These tickets are expected to go very quickly, so be sure to secure yours by visiting the link in our podcast bio or you can head over to the Australian True Crime Facebook page. There'll be a nice link there for you. Update for Brisbane Australian True Crime fans. Brisbane is almost fully sold out for our live show. If you've been a listener for any length of time, you'll know how passionate I am about true crime stories from Australia. I'm looking very forward to an incredible evening together with you, sharing these captivating tales. We will have great guests as well, so, you know, we love a Q&A. If you've ever come along to an Australian true crime live gig, you'll know we love a Q&A with our guests. Don't miss out. Book your tickets today, and I'll see you in July for a memorable night out. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. The producers of this podcast recognize the traditional owners of the land on which it's recorded. They pay respect to the Aboriginal elders past, present and those emerging. The following podcast contains content of a graphic, violent nature and is not suitable for children. You know, I think people want too much. Let's take this person who... um, committed some terrible crimes and done really, really bad things and cure them. It doesn't, it's it's not like that. It's about modifying behaviour. It's not a five-minute game. We're playing the long game. So we're playing by years sometimes. And 
over time and over years, I've watched people change. It's incremental, but it happens. The guest you'll hear from in this episode is in charge of some of the toughest people in Australia. We say tough because when you hear the names of some of these people, you'll realise how intense her job is. Faith Slatcher is currently the Governor of Goulburn Correctional Complex in New South Wales, but you'll probably be more familiar with the part of this prison known as the Goulburn Supermax, which manages high-risk inmates, including Australia's Pablo Escobar, Mustafa Balouche, and Bassam Hamzi, boss of the violent crime gang Brothers for Life. There's also people inside like the never-to-be-released Malcolm George Baker, who murdered seven people on New South Wales' central coast in a spree killing in 1992, and Lindsay Robert Rose, killer of five people over a decade from 1984 to 1994. Faith was just weeks away from starting her big gig at Goulburn when we recorded this interview, and she's got 30 years of experience working mainly in male prisons and in the highest positions. So does a corrections officer, particularly one so high up in the ranks as Faith, have to be as tough as the people she's responsible for? Let's face it, most of us have the idea of a female prison boss as Vera Bennett from Wentworth and Prisoner. We began by learning about the questions Faith gets from people about her career. Can you imagine what she gets asked at barbecues? Yeah, it's it's amazing how many questions I get asked and, and how many things people think happen in jail that doesn't happen in jail. Um, let's start. Let's just get it out of the way. Do you have sex with all the prisoners? None. Absolutely none. <laughs> well, that's crazy. Wow. I couldn't even think. <laughs> my head, I can't wrap my head around I the idea Im- of being yeah. involved with an inmate. It's just. I get it. The thing is, we actually get really upset with staff because. Of course. Um, we're professionals. Of course. We've got a job that we do. and. Yeah. Um, nobody runs around asking the police if they're having relationships or, mm. or ambulance officers or fire brigade officers. Nobody asks any of them, but for some reason they ask us. But because we it's do... in the news. When it's in the news, it's, yeah. it's a bit like shark attacks, isn't it? It's like it might happen once every three years or something, but it seems like this um, female officer with um, male inmates it seems like it happens often and then it enters people's imagination to the extent. Yeah, it's an unfortunate. I actually did two and a half years in an investigations unit, so I actually looked at serious misconduct and corruption for those two years, did um, some joint work with the ICAC and the police. So you do know exactly how often it happens? Yeah, it's it's not as often as people think and it is a very small minority. How often is it? Um, well, I, I couldn't put figures on it. It's impossible to put figures because it's sort of, it's like anything. It goes up, it goes down, but it's, I don't think we would ever have been looking at more than say one or two at a time. Um, for inappropriate, and inappropriate isn't necessarily a sexual relationship. Sometimes it's just a case of somebody who's getting too close. And so you mean in, in the whole of Corrections New South Wales, you might might have been looking at one or two at a time. But inappropriate. We were, yeah, yeah, but I mean, that was a number of years ago now. That was yeah. a few years ago. We're a bigger organisation now and the bigger you get, the more often yeah, the more people. Something, something happens. Yeah. Um, it's like anybody. If you were in jail, you would want the best that you could get out of that. If you would want, if you can get something, somebody to bring something in for you, you're going to do everything you can to get people to bring something in for you. So it was very interesting that um, we looked at, part of what we looked at was not just what happened, like what these people were doing, but how they 
got led into that path. How did but you also, get there? Faith, I'm a romantic. <laughs> and I reckon if I was in jail, I would probably develop a crush on a hot guard. And I'm not going to lie to you. Michelle loves to talk about this every time <laughs> I we do. I really talk to someone in corrections. Yeah. Um, normally in my fantasy, though, I'm the guard, in fairness. Well, I think also you're forming pretty intense relationships, if that's the right word, with the guard and a prisoner because they're looking after you. And Yeah. I'm, I, just, I just reckon I... I might. We, the thing is, we're seeing the same inmates every single day. Yeah. Except if you're in a high traffic area like a remand centre where there's a lot of churn, a lot of turnover in a lot of the particularly maximum security jails, you'll have an inmate who's there for years. Yeah. And the officers And I'm a charmer, often, Faith. <laughs> I'm sure you are. So, I mean, I can see how it can happen <laughs> is what I'm saying. And also, you know, we know that inmates from speaking to women now who have ended up in relationships with male prisoners, and I'm talking about women outside of jail, right, they talk about this idea that men um, in prison have got all day long to write lovely letters, to think about nice things to say and, you know. Well, in the academy, one of the first things they say to us is, remember, you're there for eight hours a day and they're there for 24 hours a day. So they have 24 hours a day to work out what they can get out of that eight hours that they're out of there. You've just got no interest at all in the romance, have you? You're just like, (laughs) (laughs) I've been in the job too long, sorry. (laughs) Oh, interesting. You're like, love, he just wants the cigarettes. There's nothing else. (laughs) No, well, they want whatever they can get. Mm -hmm. If they can get sex, they'll want it. Obviously, that's it is what it is. Um, And it's not all of them, but some of them, particularly if they're doing long sentences, they're going to want to get the best that they can get out of their time in custody. Um, But Hmm. we're pretty vigilant. And staff are pretty vigilant in watching each other, not suspicious, but just vigilant. Just say, oh, watch out, you, you're talking to that inmate too much. Why are you talking to that inmate so much? Because they'd be oh, great manipulators. Yeah, I mean, very good manipulators. Mm-hmm. And often it'll be, oh, you know, he's really interesting. He's been telling me and they go, well, you know, just be careful. Watch yourself. Just guard yourself. And and that's we watch, we look after each other and we look out for each other because inmates are people, same as anybody else. And a lot of them are very charming. And some of them, their offences are about how they're able to manipulate. You know, fraudsters, um, child sex offenders are very good at grooming. They get people to trust them with their most precious possessions, their children. So they're, they're highly manipulative, very good at what they do and come across very well. So you just... And I suppose that's the thing after, you know, maybe if you talk to someone who'd only been in the job a few years, they might be a little bit more, um, but I've been in the job a long time. That's why we've got you here, yeah. okay, by the way. Um, now now that we've got that question out of the way, I don't know if everyone at the barbecues is as rude as I am to ask that first, but what are the other sort of assumptions or? The first thing I usually get asked is, is it like Wentworth? Is it like of course. Prisoner? Is it like, and I'm like, no, it is nothing oh, like bum. that. I do love Wentworth. I won't know. I, I I'm somebody I work with came and they said, oh, they said they had a massive laugh the previous night. They'd watched Wentworth and they said the deputy went down and photographed the inmate off the truck and the governor processed their paperwork and I just <laughs> <laughs> cracked up laughing. No, because at the time I was a, a deputy and now a governor and I'm like, when would I ever get the time to go down to reception and start processing inmates into my jail? Yeah, <laughs> I'd like to think it was more like the original prisoner, you know, and the freaks walk, walking around with leather gloves and... Yeah, no, we don't have leather gloves, sorry. Is it unusual to be a woman in a men's prison? 
No, there are women. We like to have a ratio of about 30% female officers within a male prison if we can. Why? And 30% male because it's just that nice balance and it's just everybody brings their own skill set towards it. And we're also a diverse employer, so we like to keep that diversity where possible. 30% is a good ratio because it still allows for enough staff to maintain dignity and do things like strip searches and that type of thing with a person of their own gender or a gender of identification. It seems to me, and this is going to be a really primitive perspective I'm about to share with you, so brace yourself, um, that When we're locking up men in an environment where they're prohibited from sexual contact with women for long periods of time and when we know that that's, I think we know, that that's um, really difficult for them and can lead to sexual assault of each other and all sorts of business. Do we know that for a fact? Generally it's consensual and generally they'll say it's... um Jail sex and doesn't count. I know. Gay for the stay, I get it. Yeah, gay for the stay or gate sex is the other one. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, gate, they're gay past the gate. Prison cats. They're a gay gate. Yeah, generally, it's if we find out that it's not consensual, we take action immediately. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, but what? But my question, of when we'll definitely come back to that. Don't don't worry. But my question is, it seems um, it seems inappropriate and inflammatory to then introduce women into that environment. As I said, it is a primitive question, and I know that. No, actually, um, it's like I was one of the. Back in 92, I remember my very first posting, um, they didn't actually want me there because they had their token female. They didn't need another one. Um, God, one (laughs) female in there seems worse. (laughs) So um, I went and that was a minimum security jail, which was actually full of sex offenders. I actually felt that I brought something to that. I think a very, very masculine environment can have its problems as well and so I think that having that mix of genders like I said it brings that balance it really does bring a balance and and you don't have that testosterone battle yeah I get that I get, I've no doubt you would bring something to that environment as women but I just feel like wouldn't you heighten the wouldn't your presence heighten the I feel like there'd be a chemical the sexual tension yeah, no yeah. I don't I don't think it has I don't see that at all um it's, it's not something, I mean, I, you often get them say something. I know at this stage of my career, if, if I get a wolf whistle, I go, mate, you've been in jail too long. <laughs> it's like, and they just laugh and they just, you know, and that's the thing. A lot of the time our communication is very cordial and we do mm-hmm. have a bit of a laugh sometimes. I um, was recently at Bathurst as the governor there and I was standing in the circle and one of the inmates was at the, the fence and he goes, oh, what are you, miss? I said, I'm the governor. And he goes, you're the governor? And, he, and I said, yes. He goes, of the whole of Bathurst Jail. <laughs> <laughs> and I went, yes. Yes, I am. He goes, really? And I went, yes. He goes, but you're female. I went, yeah, I had noticed that. <laughs> <laughs> but you're a girl. <laughs> yeah, which I thought, is it 2021? Because it was, it was a few months ago. Is it 2021 or is it? No, yeah, it's 2021, definitely. And I just laughed and he just looked at me and the inmates around him just looked at him and went, like, you've lost the plot. <laughs> but... um. Which was I, he an older guy? Or? He was he was an older guy, yeah. He was probably in about his – actually, I say he's an older guy. He was probably similar in age to me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's probably in his 40s, 50s. I don't know if he'd been in custody before. I was just quite amused by it and so were my staff. They were all standing around laughing. But Bathurst Prison has some pretty notable inclusions in, on its roster, on its list. I'm using footy ter- terminology. You know, even though you're a girl, I mean, they, they – don't hesitate to put you in charge of the most serious prisons 
No, I'm system. actually about to take over Goulburn. Wow. On the 28th of February. That's a super max, right? Yes. Uh, so it's both. It's um, all the way from minimum up to the High Risk Management Correctional Centre, which everybody calls the super max, yes. We sure do. So at the moment I'm I'm actually acting as the director for South, so I'm actually doing a couple of months higher duties looking after South Coast, Goulburn, Manus, uh, Cooma and the operation scheduling unit, which is all the casuals across the state. So I'm doing that at the moment. That's extraordinary. Your career is stellar. Yeah. A lot of hard work. Yeah. Congratulations. Yeah. Um, and I've always liked to do something different. I've moved around a lot. So I've been to a lot of centres. Like I've been the governor at Lifco. Wow. Um, governor at Bathurst. I did director for Metro West and all the women's centres as well. Um, worked at Long Bay, worked at Silverwater. You're obviously excellent at your job. I'd hope, I like to think so, but I always think there's room for improvement. I always think there's something to learn every single day. You must be excellent because it, it's a very political position that you hold. You've got one of those jobs where literally we were just talking to a lawyer earlier today and we were talking about the politics around the politics around law and order. Every election cycle, law and order is an issue. It's a topic and they want to talk about prisons and policing and, you know, the funding around that and prison beds and all of that stuff. And so to hold the jobs that you have had and to keep moving up in that world as anyone, let alone as a woman, is extraordinary. Well, thank you. Um, I, I feel like I've worked very hard for it. Yeah. And um, at times I have been frustrated and at times, it, you know, I've run into barriers and, you know, it's when I joined it was a very male job, yeah. a very male job and... Uh, it was very difficult at times and I had to prove myself to be not as good but better. I had to yeah. know everything back to front because if you tripped up, they'd pick you up on it. And I think that helped because what it did was it actually made me from the very beginning, made sure I knew my procedures, I knew my policies, I knew how things ran um, because I didn't want to get picked up and I didn't want to um, get caught. I remember my very first centre, they hardly spoke to me. And I run into some of these guys now <laughs> that are still in the job and they go, that wasn't true. And I went, yeah, it was. <laughs> I don't remember it. But they hardly spoke to me because I was the newbie and I was female as well. And you're quite diminutive as well. I'm five foot six, yeah. Yeah, right. I'm, I'm not very tall, no. no. Um, it's about your presence and I think it's about the way you present yourself and that level of confidence. And, but you've got a really easy, charming confidence yeah. about you as well. There's nothing. You don't need to be aggressive. No. The, there's, And the thing is if you bring aggression, you'll get aggression back. Mm. And I'm sort of known for not shouting. I'm known for not, you know, raising my voice or losing my temper. I tend to stay calm. And I found that to be really effective for me. Yeah. <laughs> um, everybody's got their own way of doing things and everybody's got their own tweak on how they manage. But I've always found that if I go in there and I treat people decently, generally they will treat me decently. And that if I give them a level of respect, they'll give me a level of respect. And I think that that's you know, it's all we any of us want. If I walked in here and I treated you terribly, you'd be treating me terribly, and that's exactly what I deserve. Yeah, and, and combatively. Yes. Yeah. So. No, I can yeah. see that. Aggression breeds aggression. Yeah, they say that about teachers, the best teachers. I was a teacher for a little while. Are the ones that just keep a really consistent voice level. They don't shout. Amazing. They just keep it really calm, and they're the best teachers. My father was a teacher, <laughs> and, ah. and um. Up until he he died um, in September, but up until his death, and he was ninety, so he'd retired many years ago. He still had students who contacted him. Oh, wow! That's so beautiful. Yeah, so because he he was one of those people, 
Um, Did you uh, ever have family yourself? I've got a daughter. Oh, yes. that's so great because I was sitting here listening to you thinking, I bet she never had time for a family. I bet she never got a personal life. But you did. <laughs> I did, yes. So I've got a daughter. That's um, so wonderful. So, and same story as usually is with correctional officers. Her father's a correctional officer. <laughs> <laughs> that's all right. Yeah. It didn't last, but um, yeah. That's fine too. So, yeah. But, you know, we we made a conscious decision to, to get along and to not um, let that affect how we raise our daughter but also how we work because we're professionals. Oh, and experts in conflict resolution, so. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like you'd have to be, being a prison officer, like you be professional in jobs where you've got to be super professional as a prison officer. But I'm really curious, what, why corrections? Why did you want to do this? Well, that's interesting you should say that because I actually did quite a few different things. Um, uh, when I was at school, I wanted to be an archaeologist, believe it or not. Oh, we all did. <laughs> yes. Was it about Raiders of the Lost Ark? Was no, it no, no, no. no I, just, I just had this great fascination for history. Um, and when I look at it back now, my fascination was with people. Yeah. Why people do what they do, how they think. So then I went on and I, I was going to be, I decided I was going to be a teacher and then I deferred uni and went and did some sales work and then I went and worked for Veterans Affairs for a while and then I quit that and then I went and did a course and I did waitressing and I cleaned motel rooms and then I joined uni and I did um, primary education for a couple of years and went, no, I don't want to do this either and I quit it and I'm like, by this stage I'm like 24 and my parents are tearing their hair out <laughs> going, what are you going to do? Um, and then I I saw, a, um, I was actually dating a prison officer and I saw, he goes, oh, look, they're recruiting, why don't you think about joining the job? I said, you know what, I'll give it a go. And if I don't like it, I'll just quit. That's yeah. it. 30 years later, <laughs> I'm still here. It's just I found my niche Yeah. because I realised that I, I just, I'm fascinated by people and why people do what they do. And, and it's that opportunity to make a difference, which sounds very naff, but it's true. It's that opportunity to make a difference and to learn. And it's challenging and I like a challenge. I'm bored very easily, but you never mm. get bored in this job, I can tell oh, you. Oh, I bet. No, so. Well, you can, when you say make a difference, that feels counter to, unfortunately, what most people in the community think, I think, which is, you know, that you can't reform certain people. And when I think about these big jails, supermaxes and things like that, we think about the worst people, people that we sometimes refer to as monsters and these really infamous crimes do you think people can be reformed? You know, I think people um, want too much. Mm. Let's take this person who um, committed some terrible crimes and done really, really bad things and cure them. It doesn't, it's it's not like that. It's about modifying behaviour. And sometimes if you've got somebody who's never getting out of prison, um, which we do have in New South Wales. We have people, life is life there. Mm -hmm. um, so what do you want for those people? You want to be able to manage them so that they're living a reasonably productive life behind bars, but they're also not being violent and they're not attacking staff. We manage risk. We mitigate risk where possible. We manage the risk that they have, but we also try and modify behaviour and you know, sometimes you have, and I remember we used to, I used to work in a program which was the security threat group program, which was like the gang leaders program. I was running that for a while at LIFCO. And one of the things that we used to say was these inmates in terms of, you know, being a pain to manage are like a nine or a 10. We weren't, we were taking them down to about a six, mm. <laughs> you know, which made them a lot easier to manage. And But also they, and the thing is too, what we find is that 
as they find their jail gets easier because they start to comply, they actually start to think differently. And that's when over time, nothing happens in five minutes and nothing happens if they're absolutely determined it's not going to happen. But it's not a five-minute game. We're playing the long game. So we're playing by years sometimes. We try and do as much as we can with the short sentence guys and get in and, and do lots of programs with them And because we feel that they're the ones, if we can turn them around at the beginning, that's effective and we've got – but the ones that have committed really horrific crimes, they've got really poor behaviours and really big issues, they're the ones that you have to spend time on. And over time and over years, I've watched people change. It's incremental, but it happens. Like the public could think, I'm not speaking for all of them, but like, well, what's the point? If you've got someone in for life and they've committed horrible things, why even waste your time on working with them? I mean, I can see that it's about, you know, helping them because they're doing their sentence and, you know, you do want them to sort of be productive as possible and not be dangerous. But it's about safety. Yeah, it's mm. about safety. It's about the safety of the staff and the safety mm. of other inmates. Yeah, You don't want someone to think that they have absolutely nothing to lose. Coming up on Australian True Crime, New South Wales prison boss Faith Slatcher talks about how the hierarchy of prisoners has changed over her years in the job and the uniqueness of the yard culture at Goulburn. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. 
We've heard about her entry into the world of working in prisons, and also Michelle's favourite question, whether guards get romantically involved with inmates. Now, Goulburn Correctional Complex boss, Faith Slatcher, tells us about how the hierarchy of prisoners has changed over the years and the reality versus the assumptions of managing the men in her charge. A lot of what we do is about assessing the inmates, where we place the inmates in the system. I don't think people realise how much there is, how much work goes on from the moment an inmate hits the jail to the moment they leave on what we put into assessing them, assessing their offending behaviours, assessing where the best place in the system for them would be. We might look at this particular inmate as vulnerable, so we'll house them with other more vulnerable inmates. We might look at them as, well, this guy's, you know, he's pretty tough, he can take it, we'll put him in an area that's a bit more mainstream. So, you know, we assess, we constantly assess, and if we've got somebody that we suddenly see as becoming vulnerable or or is at risk, we'll move them. We do what we can to get people through the system and to make changes. And yeah, we're not always successful. And realistically too, when I see someone that makes an absolute success and comes out and occasionally, you know, you see them there. Oh, recently there was actually one that appeared. I can't remember his name, but I, I did manage him and, and he appeared in the papers and was talking about how he changed his life around. And I think, yeah, you have done that. We're there to guide you. We're there to, to facilitate that change. But at the end of the day, you can get yourself very frustrated trying to change somebody who's got absolutely no interest in changing. Oh, for sure. They absolutely have to have the will. Yeah. and the. We've spoken to offenders who've talked about the number of times they've been through the system and had no will and then the time when they did have the will. And that's your moment. That's yeah. our moment. When they've got that, when you can see it and you can often, you spot it, you see that moment, you think this is it. They they suddenly get to a certain age or um, and it's often in their 30s, yeah. the long-term ones, and they'll get there and they'll go, I'm wasting my life. Yes. And you can see it and you go, yes, let's make a change. We can help you do that. I think most of us have that moment, to be honest, in yes. our 30s, you know, <laughs> yeah. and uh, a, lot, well, a lot of us are lucky enough not to be in prison when <laughs> yeah, we have it. But it's quite a common moment. Um, sorry, forgive me, can you remind me where Goulburn Jail is in your career? Tra- is that next? Next. That's next. So James Phelps wrote a book um, he's a, a journo and an author who writes, loves his true crime books. Have you read them? I've read some of them, Would yes. you go and get his um, Australia's Most Murderous Prison Behind the Walls of Goulburn Jail and have a flick through it before you go <laughs> and take the job, do you think, or no? Uh, I think he's probably talking about the 90s. There were a lot of issues. Mm, no, he's not. He's talking about 2016 was when this book came out and I remember talking to him and he had spent the previous 12 months writing it and researching it. And what I wanted to ask you about was uh, the thing that, struck me about the book and and about the environment and that he and I talked about a lot was he said that the cohort of inmates was divided, divided on racial grounds. He said um, that there were very clear groups within the prison. There was the Aboriginal group, the Lebanese group, the Asian group, the Islander and the Anglo groups. And they were housed separately and the prison accepted that and that was just the way that prison functioned. Goulburn's pretty unique in mm. that respect. It's Those sorts of segregated yards are unique to Goulburn and, and it's something that we've worked on a lot over the years as a department to try and um, change and I think that that's certainly the, the, the strange thing is you can put them in separate yards there 
because you sort of have to. But if you take them to another jail and put them together, it's no problem. Yeah. <laughs> why why Goulburn then? What's so different? It's about a that? culture that's built up within the and it's jails are a bit like that. It's something builds up within a jail and it's really hard to change that because cultural change always takes years. Well, the interesting thing that came out of the conversation for me was that as an outsider, of course, it sounds to me like racial segregation, which sounds bad and very easy to sort of, you know, It actually started in the 90s way. and it was done in the 90s for safety reasons. Exactly, that it actually had worked out to be a positive within that environment yes. and had cut down on violence substantially. Yes. yes, that's exactly right. That's why it was brought in in the first place. But we'd like, I think, over time if we can... Why? I mean, my question is, why change it if it's not broken? How much of that is kind of pandering to a societal ideas from idiots who don't know anything about the reality of Goulburn Jail? Um, I think that the issue is that we're limiting, sometimes you're limiting people's options if you're limiting what yard they can be in or what wing they can be in, and that's not good for them. So where possible we want Neither's to... getting stabbed, in fairness. A- absolutely. <laughs> and that's something that we're dead set against. Um, um, yeah. um, and so, no, we wouldn't change anything unless it was safe to do so. But it's certainly something that over the years we've looked at and gone... Fascinating, isn't it? Yeah. Mm. Because, like I said, you can take two inmates from there, take them to Lifco, mm. put them in the same wing in Lifco. It's not a problem. Yeah. Well, what have you seen change over your years in the job? Um, things that have got worse, things that have... Um, you're seeing more of? Like I'm just really interested in, in, in the na- nature of the kind of violent crimes you're seeing. I'm just really interested in your take on um, that. When I joined the job, there were no nobody in custody with terrorism offences. Oh, gosh, yeah. Mm. And so that came in in the early 2000s. Um, mm. So I was actually working at Lifco when that, when the first of those came so into custody. And that's a big part of um, Supermax, isn't it? Yes, yes, yeah. it is. Um, so that's that was a whole new cohort of inmates that we had to learn how to manage. So it was very interesting to be in the very beginning of that and to watch it all the way through, and we've become a lot better at it. It's, it's like anything... Um, also, when I came in, it was a lot more old school. So, but now there's a lot more drugs, and it was there was a whole different way of, I suppose, a different hierarchy. So, when you came in, yeah, you still would have been the uh, armed robbers and uh, and those guys, wouldn't it? Bank robbers and that. Yes, it was still um, still very much they were the top of the heap. Uh, you had a different sort of hierarchy back then, and there's also a lot of a rise of a lot more gang related. The OMCGs, you know, outlaw motorcycle gangs, the organised crime networks. So um, that continues in. in well, jail. that's grown. It's grown yeah. a lot, and mm. and that was the thing too. When I came in, if there was a gang dispute outside of jail, it never came in to yeah. jail. Now they come into jail, so now it follows. Um, yeah, that was a change, and that was a change that happened. But we have changed in how we operate and how we work. We're very very different um, in our training and in what we do and how we operate. We've, I think we've improved dramatically in how we function and in how we train our staff. It's just we're a lot, a lot more professional. I know someone who works in Corrections Victoria in, um, I'm so not a corporate person, I can't remember what it's called, HR. <laughs> People <laughs> and culture. Yeah, people and culture. And so in hiring guards and um, she tells me about the way that, like the sessions they have and I'm like god it sounds like you're hiring people for a phone a call center it's like role play and it's very much not what I thought you know yeah, well, when I joined you didn't speak to inmates and they didn't really speak to you yeah um but 
we've moved on from there. Case management came in in the early 90s, about 94, 95, um, and we went, oh, we have to speak to inmates now, <laughs> um, which was – but I think that was great, actually, because we moved a lot more towards um, dynamic security. So dynamic security is where you know your offender, you know a lot about them, and therefore you're better able to judge and, and predict their behaviours. And I think that's that's really critical. Um, some people have used that as an excuse to say, well, that's why I got too close because we have to yeah. to have these chats with them. Oh. And it's, yeah, it's professional boundaries, which, and, and it's difficult because people have issues with that regardless of the profession, psychologists, social workers, lots and lots of people have teachers. issues. Teachers yep. with yep. professional boundaries. So it's not unique to us, but it is. It's just salacious really, isn't it? But just, they love it. Oh, they do. And it. and the thing is too, I get very frustrated too when they go women and male prisoners because it's not always just women. No. <laughs> oh, okay. Totally. Yeah, it's it's it can be both genders that can get too close. Um mm. and it's not always a heterosexual relationship either. Mm. I mean, it's people seem, you know, it's we're society, we're just the same as society. I I just get very frustrated when I hear a radio jock go, you know. Female officers, female, 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 and I feel like going. We've fought so hard, <laughs> we've done so much to be seen as professionals in what we do that I get really frustrated by you just bagging us out because of what one person did. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm just so impressed. You're going to be the boss of Goulburn. Like that's oh. so good. It's so inspiring. It's like a hard ass job. It's so cool. Career trajectories is incredibly impressive, particularly given that you haven't that this isn't the only career that you've mm. had. Um, so how do you mind my asking? I was how, 24 when I joined, so God. I'm 54 this year. You've wow. really, you've really gone. <laughs> yeah, some, like you know, very really knuckled down, really passionate. Yeah. And I think moving around has helped. Being willing to do different yeah. things. Um, so I've, like I said, I, I did investigations for a couple of years. I did a short-term secondment in the state emergency unit, which is now security operations group, and they do the response across the state. I've also done. Uh, a short stint in head office, statewide operations. And so obviously I, you run a tight ship. Mm. There's no, um, there mustn't be any dramas wherever you go. They must go, she's that faith. I don't know. Wherever she goes, it's just plain sailing. I, I think it's a case of it's, it's a combination of I care about my staff. I care about everybody that I manage. But I also, the rules are the rules. And oh, they're I there see for that. a reason. And no bullshit. Yeah, no, I don't, nope. <laughs> don't come up and spin me a tail because I'm mm. not going to buy it. No, break, no, just tweaking the rules a little bit here and there, you I, know. I think it depends. If I get somebody who comes in and they've had a, something really terrible happen mm. and sometimes officers have had really terrible yeah. things happen, I will look at the rules and I will know exactly how far I can yeah. push to give them what I can give them to look after them and to make sure that, you know, like I've, I've had a staff member come in and something really horrific happened in his family and so he suddenly had custody of children and so we sat down and at the end of it he walked out and I'd given him six months part-time and and that was all allowable it's all there if you know what to look for so that's good management that's yeah but that's very different too oh Faith I'm so sorry I accidentally fell over and got a mobile phone up my (laughs) bought it in and I had an inmate who um, I heard a charge because now mobile phone charges go outside but back in the day, I'm feeling old now, <laughs> but back then we used to hear it as an executive officer, you used to hear the mobile phone charges on inmates if they were caught and I never forget this one particular <laughs> inmate had a mobile phone, it's what you're saying up his butt, but, um, and he, was, he had it 
in his the cheeks of his buttocks. And he was they they filmed the strip search and they and now I heard the charge and he goes, I'm pleading not guilty. And I went, Do not make me watch the footage. <laughs> yeah, come on. Man. Said, and he just stood there and he's like going, Oh, and, <laughs> And then, of course, somebody had to comment. I don't know if I should say this, but somebody had to comment. He goes, I think, boss, you should let him off because he only used it once. And I looked at him and the inmate looked at him. (laughs) And I said, what do you mean he only used it once? He goes, yeah, he rang his mate, said, I got it on vibrate, ring me all night. Oh, no. (laughs) And I said, I'm trying to do a job here, mate. That's the other one that's fascinating. A guy told me once, I was like, can you really get a mobile phone up your butt? And he goes, yeah. And I said, he goes, you'd be amazed how much you can fit. And I said, really? And he goes, yeah, anything you can fit in your in your purse, like I could fit up my bum. And I was like, really? Yeah, they, yeah. It is It is a place that's used for secretion of items. Yeah. Um, well said. Yeah. So <laughs> it is a place a that is used term. for secretion of items. <laughs> yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> oh, my God. Have you had a life-threatening incident? I've spoken to guards who have been in that, that situation where it's been, they've been in a life-threatening situation. I've been assaulted, yes. Yeah. Um, actually, even as a governor, I got punched in the face at Lifco. Um, but I was just not far enough away from the bars. I thought I was, but he actually put his whole shoulder through and got me. So, so I felt a bit silly, actually. <laughs> but I went, oh, but um, that's I did. Terrible. Uh, that's terrible. No, that's terrible. I that's wrote blaming it. yourself for somebody. No, well, because I, 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 I knew he was dangerous, and so I thought, yeah, I was looking at the length of his arms, and and he was standing behind bars. And um and I thought oh, I'm far enough away, but he actually threw himself and he put his whole oh. shoulder through, so he got the the distance on me. And as I saw it, I went, "That's going to hit me." Oh, and I, oh, I managed damn. to um like ride it, so it wasn't too too damaged. If it hit me full on, it would have done some real damage. Jeez. But like, and actually, it's funny because the person next to me said, "Do you know what you said to me immediately afterwards?" Because we just shut the outer door of the cell. And I went, no, I don't remember. And she said, you turned around to me and you went, what a charming individual. God, <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're unflappable. Just, but, yeah, no, I've, yeah, I've dealt with um, mass disturbances as the manager. And at the time when you're doing it, you're doing your job yeah. and, you, and you're relying on you thinking, I need to do this, I need to do that. And particularly when you're a manager because you need to make sure that everyone's safe. So you need to say... I need to get this squad up here. I need to get these guys kitted up and over here. And and you just, that's what you're doing. You're thinking tactically in the moment. Afterwards, you just sort of, when it's all done and dusted, you you learn to just walk away from it. You just learn to not stress over it. But I have, occasionally I've walked out of a situation going, yeah, that could have gone bad. That could have gone really bad. I'm probably a bit lucky here. So yeah. Yeah. And as a manager, yeah, you just want to get all your people out alive. Yeah. God. That's so much responsibility. Um, bodily fluids thrown on you? I've been spat on. Blah. Yeah, I've um, been into cells where inmates have bronzed up. Blah. Which I, I don't know if you're aware of the, yeah. what that means. Oh, yeah. We've heard that a number of times. Yeah. Cover themselves in their own poo. Yeah, and the whole cell. They can paint the whole cell in it. I mean, um, it's so self-defeating. It's your bedroom, mate. Yeah, well, we have to take them out and then we have to get it properly forensically yeah, clean. I feel like um, it would blood, lose lots, the smell. Lots of blood, um, inmates <sighs> who love to spread blood everywhere, inmates who have opened up their own abdomens and pulled their own intestines I out. remember when um, Vaughan told us about this bloke at Pentridge who was a famous um, self-mutilator. self-mutilator and, in fact, he did kill himself in the end doing mm. it. But, yeah, he would do that. He would um, cut himself and then put his own feces in it to get yes. the infection. Yeah. Yeah. And for some reason they don't seem to get infected, which is... That's... <laughs> like, I mean, this bloke, 
bloke. They don't. Yeah. So, but yeah, well, I've, yeah, because I have worked at the Bay with the acute crisis management unit for the really bad self mutilators. Yeah. So it's tragic, isn't it? It is. It is actually. Um, Particularly when you walk in there and, and you're looking at someone and he goes, oh, Miss, I remember you from 20 years ago. And you think, yeah, it's a long time. God. <laughs> and you're still doing the same behaviours. Mm. So. What happened to you? Who broke you? you know, well, you I, I do know that particular inmate's history was in um, children's homes. and <gasps> Yeah, and he, he actually was um, a witness in the Royal Commission into yeah. child sexual offending. So, you know, like I knew what broke him. So I, I mm. did feel a certain amount of... Well, I, did, I felt compassion in that mm. respect, but I still had to manage his behaviours. Yeah, yeah of course. Yeah, because you've got to feel compassion for everyone who's got to deal with him. Yeah, but I think there's a um, there's a, a line between compassion and stepping over it. Yeah, and mm-hmm. becoming too close. You're not taking him home. No, no. not at all. <laughs> no, I get it. No, yeah. not taking him anywhere near the gate. Actually, no. never mind. Oh, yeah, God. I mean, and that's the thing. You you um, care for these people for the rest of us. You know, we do. We manage um, people that don't want to see, and people that's people think that's the solution to the problem. We lock them up. Well, what happens then? Mm. What happens after we lock them up? What happens? How do we manage them once they are locked up? And that's, I think, uh, out of sight and out of mind. Everybody talks about what all the other emergency services and everybody else does, but they only really hear about us when something goes wrong, yeah. which is really sad. Because mm. there's a lot of people and nobody hears about the day after day after day that everybody goes into, you know, these jails across the state and deals with thousands of inmates and nothing happens. Mm-hmm. Thanks to our guest, Faith Slatcher and Corrective Services New South Wales. If you've been blown away like we have with Faith's career and are thinking about a career in corrections, you can go to the website correctiveservices.dcj.newsouthwales.gov.au or the corrections department in your state. Details will be in the show notes of this episode. You might want to go back and listen to some of our previous episodes about life in prisons. We've popped some of these in the show notes for this episode and we've reissued our episode with author James Phelps talking about the fearsome violent history of Goulburn Jail. If you have been affected by anything discussed in this episode, you can contact Lifeline on 13 11 14. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week. This has been another Smartfella production in conjunction with the Acast Creator Network. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. 
Let's get this dinner party started. As promised, I am thrilled to announce that our tickets for Australian True Crime Live are now available. Join me in Sydney, Brisbane and or Melbourne this July. You can come to all three if you want. These tickets are expected to go very quickly, so be sure to secure yours by visiting the link in our podcast bio or you can head over to the Australian True Crime Facebook page. There'll be a nice link there for you. Update for Brisbane Australian True Crime fans. Brisbane is almost fully sold out for our live show. If you've been a listener for any length of time, you'll know how passionate I am about true crime stories from Australia. I'm looking very forward to an incredible evening together with you, sharing these captivating tales. We will have great guests as well, so, you know, we love a Q&A. If you've ever come along to an Australian true crime live gig, you'll know we love a Q&A with our guests. Don't miss out. Book your tickets today, and I'll see you in July for a memorable night out.